Great. Well, it's uh, lovely to uh, be, be with you here at Cairns Road this morning. Um, got various connections with the church, some of which will become clear possibly as uh, my talk progresses. But um, one of those things, I guess, I'm, I'm a good friend of Mackie's, or he's a good friend of mine, whichever way you see that. But uh, we're good mates, and we met at um, college, um, and he invited me here this morning. And, uh, and, and I guess the other thing is, we, I'm, I'm now a, a Baptist minister myself in Noel West, having been ordained and commissioned there uh, last week as a result of having been caught in something of a pear sandwich um, <laughs> some time ago. So, um, yeah, so I end up being a kind of a guinea pig on the, on the mission track uh, course at the Baptist College, along with a certain Andy Pears, which, of course, was led by a certain Mike Pears, who I'd... Um, come to know through a set of very dubious circumstances. And all I would say is that Mike is a much more dangerous man than he looks. <laughs> Just an observation. But he's a very good man, of course. I would, I would mention that. And um, so, yeah, so we've been on a bit of a journey, and, and we're sort of establishing a residential community house, uh, a Christian residential community house in Knoll West, which is in the early stages of development. And there's quite a number of exciting projects and initiatives um, that's been really, really good to be involved in and to be a part of. And uh, we're very much on a journey, but very much enjoying that. And um, I brought my, my wife here this morning. My wife is Alice. I should introduce her, seeing she's here. And um, the one who's not my wife is Clive, who's a, who's a good mate of mine. And um, I brought him here because I thought I needed an ally who's a supporter of the team from the right side of Bristol. So... Um, Yep, so we got Bristol City are here. So um, there you go. And he'll probably be quite vocal about that, I expect, at some point. But I've told him to be on his best behaviour. And um, so I, I kind of thought this morning it would be good. To, the, the, the remit is to, is to talk about a psalm, really. And Psalm 27 is one that I guess it, it, I haven't particularly thought about it or looked at it in recent years, but it's certainly been a really important psalm for me in my history. So this morning I thought I'd share a little bit from Psalm 27, and I'll start just by, it's a little bit long, but I guess it's difficult to talk about a psalm without reading it, so we're going to read it. And it's one of David's. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high Upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me, 
at his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. And your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Saviour. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not, do not hand me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So this is an amazing psalm of David about seeking and finding the presence of the Lord in the midst of trouble. And David displays an incredible determination to seek God's face and to trust him for his deliverance and that ultimately he will set David's feet upon a rock. I guess the message of the psalm is that the only truly safe place is in the will of God and that this is only found through pursuing the presence of God. And as I was thinking about today, I felt particularly drawn to verse 5. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. And especially the words, in the day of trouble... He will keep me safe. He will hide me and set me high upon a rock. And I guess the day of trouble can take many forms, as we probably uh, realise during our our time of intercession, of course. Um, You know, there's lots and lots of troubles in the world. And... um, I guess there's what we might call third world troubles, and I, you know, I think it's important to, to at least mention those. In fact, we, we prayed about them, but uh, to, to mention those as we sort of, if you like, move on to what we might like to think of as first world troubles. But, you know, poverty and disease and malnutrition and war. But um, if we don't necessarily face troubles from those, we do face troubles from all kinds of different things, all kinds of other things. Health issues, worries about the future of the NHS. We may face money and debt concerns. We may face worries about transport. My middle daughter, who's a little bit um, like me emotionally, was flying off on a plane to Cuba on holiday this week and was worried about the wings falling off, and we had that kind of discussion on probabilities. And um, 
But, you know, there's all kinds of things, aren't there, that can, can worry you in life. Uh, we might, you know, have problems with relational breakdown at home or at work. Might be going through the pain of separation and divorce, marital difficulties of all kinds of different sorts. And I guess we can face trouble from real things, but we can also face trouble from perceived things, like that, that fear, that dread, uh, that sort of sentence of death that can sometimes come against us. And um, it may not be like war breaking out against us, but it can certainly feel like war breaking out against us. And I'm not sure that those two things are necessarily that dissimilar sometimes. And um, there's this kind of progression, isn't there, in the psalm in verses 2 and 3, where it talks about it being like the wicked advancing against me, some way off, if you like, or like an army besieging me, which is all a bit closer to hand, or like war breaking out against me, uh, which is bad, I would say. And uh, I remember someone once speaking on the story of um, David and Goliath and the fact that actually, you know, Goliath seems to get bigger just before he falls over. You know, it says in that story that he advanced towards David with his shield bearer in front of him and he kept coming closer to David. And, um, you know, that sense that just before he toppled under David's sling and stone. He looked at his biggest just before he went down. And I guess it can be like that sometimes with our fears and anxieties. And the problem is our worries may be based on real things and not just perception. They may actually be real and what we dread may happen. And I guess that's the problem. And it looks like for David some of these things did happen and war did break out against him. But David says, even with those things coming right upon him, he's able to say, even then will I be confident. So I guess the question I was thinking was, well, how is he able to do this? How is he able to declare this confidence? But for David, he's able to proclaim that in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe. So David has learned something really vital about God's faithfulness and about the way in which God chooses to relate to us and to rescue us. And he responds to the enormous love of God with an outpouring of love for God and an expression of his trust in God. One thing... I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And I I guess that in preparing for today and in revisiting Psalm 27, I guess has reminded me, I guess, of my roots within the charismatic movements of the 1970s and 80s, when there was kind of an explosion of singing and worship to the Lord. Lots of 
new songs, lots of choruses, lots of uh, spontaneous singing. And, uh, you know, and I guess a lot of that was kind of rooted, really, in the Psalms. It was actually deep, deeply rooted in the Psalms. I remember someone once saying, you know, slightly simplistically, but, but that God's address is thanksgiving, praise, and worship. And whilst that is oversimplistic, I think there is some truth in that. There's a progression, isn't there, into the presence of God that starts with us bringing a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we used to sing, think some, maybe we still do, we, we used to sing things like, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. And, um, and I think we got hold of something in that era about what it means to bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, and we sang about that too, and about making a choice to praise or a choice to worship, a choose to sing, a choice to sing songs of deliverance, to sing in the dark, a choice to trust God's faithfulness over and above our feelings. And there was a verse that meant a lot to me in that era from Psalm 50, verse 23, which says, he who sac- sacrifices thank offerings honors me, and he prepares the way that I may show him the salvation of God. And I guess David expresses something similar here, where he says, At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. God has promised that he will keep keep us safe. And our part is to sing songs of deliverance, to sing and proclaim and trust and cry out. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. And again, I guess during that era of my life, in my early 20s, I decided to not not consider myself particularly musical, but I learned to play the guitar because I was in a small fellowship that didn't have a guitar. We usually sang without any musical accompaniment, which is actually quite a good thing. But um, it's also quite good if you have someone who learns the guitar. And and that's kind of what I did. And I did it mainly because... I was caught up with this idea of singing and make music in your heart to the Lord. And I thought, well, actually, if I can play the guitar, that will help me to do that. So it was to kind of help me in my worship life with God, I suppose. And another thing that we got a little bit caught up with at the time was the idea of singing new songs to the Lord. And um, the main reason for that was that the only musician apart from me that we did have could only play one song. And it was a song that said... I will sing unto the Lord a new song. And we sang it every week. And I think the irony of that was so strong that it inspired us uh, with a real desire to actually sing new songs, to, to learn what it actually meant to do this stuff. And, um, and so I'm going to do something slightly unusual. I'm going to sing a song at this point. And the reason is that I kind of think, well, we're in the middle of the psalm. You know, we got to a day of trouble. We got to David singing and making 
music in his heart to the Lord. And there's a song that I've written recently, which is kind of an ongoing legacy. So I'm not, not claiming um, any great kudos for the song, but it's just to sort of say, actually, this is one of the things I try and do as an outworking of this song in Days of Trouble is to sing and make music in my heart uh, to the Lord. Um, and so I'm kind of thinking, if today you're feeling, yeah, actually, I'm in Days of Trouble, <laughs> I need a deliverer, then let's just catch something, just to pause, I guess, in the middle of the talk, just to catch something of that sense of, let's let that praise rise up in our hearts to God. So I'm getting my able assistant to come out and help me. That's my wife, not the Bristol City fan. Okay, I think we're back. (laughs) That's good. So I thought I'd tell you about a day of trouble in the life of uh, my family that we experienced in the early 90s. It was quite a long day of trouble. This is going to sound wrong now, because I'm going to say that my first daughter was born on the 8th of September 1990. Now, that wasn't the trouble in itself. That was good. Um, But my daughter, Sarah, was born on the 8th of September 1990. Uh, But I guess we we noticed, uh, you know, even in the first few days of her life, when she she cried... um, like babies do, they do that kind of wah thing where they, where they draw in breath. But we just sort of noticed with Sarah that she wasn't able to cry back. And, um, and, and then as, as, you know, and it wasn't like, obviously this was, she was only a few days old. So this wasn't like, if you like, the breath holding of a stubborn toddler. You sometimes say, well, Sarah used to hold a breath, and people say, oh, yeah, she was that naughty child who used to hold their breath and be stubborn as a toddler. And it, it wasn't like that. This was a, a kind of an involuntary reaction, I suppose, if she hurt herself or if she was tired. And she breathed in, did this wah thing, and then couldn't breathe back. And, um, and then I guess we noticed this was happening as she was growing older. I guess we weren't particularly bothered about it, but then at 10 months old, we were in our kitchen, 10 months, is that right? About 10 months old, she was somewhere walking, crawling, anyway, getting around, and she went into the kitchen, and we noticed that she'd hurt herself, and she did this thing where she held her breath, and then she um, fell over, she collapsed on the floor, she turned blue, uh, she went rigid, uh, her back arched, and she had um, convulsions, and we had to um, call an ambulance out. And actually, that was the first of many occasions that we experienced that over a period of two years until she was almost three. So we had two years of this going on with Sarah. And sometimes you might have a week where you didn't have too many problems, but then on some days this might happen to her four or five times. Sometimes she had the convulsions, sometimes she didn't, sometimes we took her to hospital, um, sometimes we didn't. And it was a really sort of difficult period in our, our lives. And, you know, even our closest friends were actually terrified of babysitting for her for fairly obvious reasons. Um, and, um, and I guess the, the worst time was um, the last time it happened, actually. And... Uh, Again, she was coming up to three, and we heard her, we knew she was upset upstairs in the bedroom, and we'd heard her her cry and realised she was holding her breath, so she'd gone running upstairs to see if she was okay, 
um, and she was having convulsions. Um, and then she went off in the ambulance and she was still having convulsions in the ambulance and we got to the hospital and she was still having convulsions in the hospital. And, um, you know, and people always said, well, she's going to grow out of this. And, but after 40 minutes of convulsions, you get quite scared. And I guess, I guess one of the, <laughs> the things that, that happened during this period was in this season of learning to sing, learning to pray. There's something about desperation that does make you pray, isn't there? And uh, whilst I don't wish desperate circumstances on anyone, <laughs> there's something that gets birthed in us, isn't there, around those sort of seasons of trouble in our lives. And, um, you know, looking back, it's almost as though there was an enemy trying to snuff her out, trying to rob us of her. But that last time was the worst time, and that was it. She was all right after that. And, um, but another thing about Sarah is that she's always had this really big voice, and she's always loved singing about God. And uh, one day when she was older, she met a really lovely boy called Johnny Bird. And I gather there's lots of Johnny Birds around. It's kind of, <laughs> so welcome Johnny Birds. We, we welcome all of you, because uh, Johnny Bird is now my son-in-law. Uh, so, yeah, for those who know the Bird family, and many of you may know how their story has unfolded since then. Johnny loves playing guitar just as much as Sarah loves singing. And uh, they've recently returned from the Hillsong Conference in Australia, where they had the amazing privilege of supporting Martin Smith in facilitating many thousands of people, in sacrificing with shouts of joy, and in singing and making music to the Lord. So in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. And he will hide me. So God has a purpose in our troubles and in our suffering. If he hides us, he hides us for a reason. His hiding place is a place of safety and refuge. But it's also a place of preparation and equipping. And this week I came across a verse from Isaiah 49 that I hadn't looked at for some time. And it's in a passage that prophesies about the servant of the Lord, who is going to be a light for the Gentiles. But I think it expresses something of God's heart for us too. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. God has a purpose in hiding us. He hides us in order to mould us and shape us and prepare us and equip us. I came across these other words in Isaiah 49. This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favour, I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. Though you were ruined and made desolate and your land laid waste, now you will be too small for your people and those who devoured you will be far away. The children born during your bereavement will yet say in your hearing, this place is too small for us. 
give us more space to live in to live in then you will say in your heart who bore me these i was bereaved and barren i was exiled and rejected who brought these up i was left all alone but these where have they come from so in the day of trouble i rejoice in the knowledge that he will set me high upon a rock whatever trouble you are in today real or perceived the words of david come down through the years to you in the day of trouble he will keep me safe he will hide me and set me high upon a rock as david declares in psalm 34 A righteous man may have many troubles but the Lord the Lord delivers him from the the all. God will deliver you. Sometimes it's God's plan to deliver us from the circumstances and sometimes more often it seems to me it's God's plan to deliver us in the midst of the circumstances to give us grace for today to endure the circumstances. but if we endure there will be a day when we can proclaim with david and i'm just going to finish with these words from psalm 40 i waited patiently for the lord he turned to me and heard my cry he lifted me out of the slimy pit out of the mud and mire he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand he put a new song in my mouth a hymn of praise to our god many will see and fear the lord and put their trust in him 